Hi, everyone. My name's Todd. For those of you I don't know, I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so glad that you um, are here to worship with us this morning. Uh, whether you are visiting maybe for the first time or maybe on vacation or you are a local like uh, myself, we're glad that you're here and um, you're here on a special day because today um, at Hilton Head Island Community Church, we are going down to the beach at Caligny at two o'clock today, and we are celebrating baptism in the cold ocean water. All right, it's going to be great though. Um, before we get started, would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? Father God, uh, the Apostle Paul, in your word to us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And God, we just want to pause for a moment and just realize and reflect on the fact that when you sent Jesus to this earth to die for our sins, what you were doing is making the old new. And Father God, I pray today in the strong name of Jesus for those who are in here and maybe they've never accepted you as their Savior. God, I pray that they join the 24 who said yes to you on Easter. And I pray that they would become saved today, that this is their day of salvation, that this is their day they give their lives to you. And God, I pray for those who've been a Christ follower for maybe a week or a year or 10 years, and they've never followed in believer's baptism, celebrating that newness of life that you gave us. God, I pray that today is their day of baptism, and they would follow your command that you gave us to believe and be baptized. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead us into truth and into wisdom this morning. May my words not be mine, but may they be yours. And may you bring clarity to your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There are several things in church, kind of church in general, that man has confused that God intended to be simple. In fact, we could probably say there's a lot of things in the church that God intended to be simple, to be straightforward, and we maybe unwittingly or wittingly have made crooked. We've kind of taken what God intended to be straight and we've made it a little bit crooked. I believe that communion and baptism the two ordinances that Jesus left the church with, the two practices, if you will, that Jesus left the church with, are two things that we have muddied the waters of in church history over many, many centuries. And in fact, you may be in here today and your religious background, your kind of growing up, um, says one thing about baptism and you might find today as I teach, that's not really what scripture says. I think we need to be okay with that here today. Because my goal, the purpose of this message, and it's just a one-time message, we're not like in, the, in a message series here. My goal today is really to bring clarity to the practice of baptism. It's to bring clarity to what Jesus and what God designed in the practice of being baptized. And so for some of you today, this is going to be a day of, of a clearer understanding than maybe you've had ever before about baptism. For some of you, it's going to be kind of a washing out of what you've learned and what you were brought up with as it was for me uh, many years ago. 
Uh, For some of you, this may be the first time you've ever heard teaching about baptism, and honestly, today's message might be a little scary, and that's okay. I want to present it to you in a way that goes to Scripture, and I want to take a look at God's Word, the Holy Bible, and take a look at what it says about baptism. What you will hear today is not my opinion. It's what I believe because I believe that the Word of God is truth, and so we're going to be taking a look at that today. We're going to be taking a look and what baptism is all about. Now, I I also want to say this. I I realize that um, because of different backgrounds and different uh, maybe religious upbringings and that sort of thing, we are all over the spectrum probably in this room of what baptism is like. Some of you um, followed water baptism, believer's baptism like we um, will have today at 2 o'clock down at Caligny, right there in front of everybody. And uh, some of you followed that way. Some of you were brought up that way. Some of you were brought up sprinkled. Some of you went to a church where, like, if you didn't get in line for baptism, like, everybody just got in line, kind of like you're in a trance, kind of like the, oh, brother, where art thou? Like, let's just go down to the river and everybody gets baptized because that's what you do. And uh, we're going to kind of take many of those things and divide it and compare it to the Word of God. For about 10 years, Cynthia and I um, uh, were in the Baptist church. And sometimes when I say that word baptism or baptize, the first thing that you think of is a Baptist church. That's maybe what many of you, especially if you're in the South, kind of grew up in, and that's what your understanding of Baptist is. Well, Cynthia and I were part of a Baptist church for many years, one in Kennesaw, Georgia, and then when we went to New York, uh, we were there and we started a church that was part of a denomination that was Baptist. It was funny in New York City because in New York City, they came just to see what it was all about because that was very different up north in New York City, like a Baptist church in New York City, really? I want to see what this is all about. And um, So we were a part of a Baptist church for for many years. Hilton Head Island Community Church is a non-denominational church. This church, as we've decided, uh, our board, and when we began, we decided that we would be non-denominational for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I won't go into those reasons today. But we also align ourselves very closely with the theology that you would see in a Baptist church in terms of our belief in baptism. And here's what makes a church distinctively a Baptistic church in terms of its beliefs, in terms of what it believes about the Bible. Here's the bottom line. Here's why we may be different than some of the religious upbringings that you've had, is is that we believe that the practice of baptism that Jesus taught in the New Testament was a choice that someone who had already believed in Jesus made after they chose to believe in Jesus. Are you with me on that? Like you become a Christ follower first, and then you decide to be baptized. And so that's what makes us Baptist in our theology. Again, we're not a Baptist church in terms of denomination, but that's what we believe about baptism. And so you'll hear me say um, this phrase, believer's baptism. And that's what I'm referring to is the type of baptism that happens once you become a Christ follower. But it's interesting, um, the Baptist churches don't have the corner on the market in terms of baptism. Um, They weren't the ones that discovered baptism. In fact, the practice of baptism that we're going to look at today, going all the way back to the, the New Testament where Jesus baptized his followers, is a Jewish practice that goes back before Jesus was even on earth. And here's how it began. 
Jewish men, when they would make a strong commitment to God, if they weren't already as an infant circumcised, they would become circumcised. Now you're like, oh great, Todd's bringing up circumcision here in church today. I'll let you Google that and figure that out because that's not the topic of this message today. But the practice was this, when a man, when an adult or teenage guy was circumcised, it was a distinction that they were following God. And it was a big deal, and it was painful and all that. It was followed by, once they were circumcised, it was followed by that person, that male, would go into a pool of water, and they would be cleansed. And so this whole practice of baptism goes all the way back to the Old Testament, to the point in time when God was establishing his relationship with mankind. So when Jesus picked up the practice of baptism, it wasn't a physical cleansing, it was a representation of a spiritual cleansing that took place. And when he would baptize people, it would have been something that they would have in that time and in that uh, area, they would have understood that this was a religious practice because that's what it had been for so long. So what we celebrate today is different than it originally started in that it's not a physical cleansing, but it's a representation of a spiritual cleansing. Let's take a look at your notes this morning. Now, um, we've filled in all the blanks for you. So if you're like me and you go to church and there's one blank that the pastor missed, and I understand I did that a few weeks ago, it drives me nuts. And I know for some of you, it drives you nuts. So we just decided there's a lot of notes. So we're gonna fill in all the blanks for you today. Everything I talk about will be in your notes so that you can kind of see it there. Let's dive in and take a look. First of all, I think what we need to do is we need to define the word baptism as it was in the New Testament. The word baptism, every time, or baptize, every time you see that in the New Testament, it comes from a Greek word, baptizo. <laughs> we didn't come too far from that, did we? A baptizo, which means to wash or immerse. To wash or immerse, pretty clear, right? Pretty clear definition of baptism. But you see, man has confused it. We've made this very clear thing that Jesus taught that we ought to believe and be baptized, be immersed. We've kind of muddied the waters and we've given special rules to who can be baptized and to when they can be baptized and where they can be baptized and who should baptize them. And all of that stuff that the church has debated about for centuries and centuries and centuries is just adding to the scripture. I, I read an article years ago from um, Christian theology in plain language and they cleverly summed it up this way, the confusion about baptism. Over the centuries, Christians have debated what baptism accomplishes, to whom it should be administered, and how much water should be used in baptism. And so we have taken this thing that Jesus told us to do that's very clear, and we've just muddied the waters with it. We've made it very, very unclear. I want to begin by describing what baptism is not, because I think we can have a better understanding of understanding what baptism is if we first define what it's not. Take a look at your notes. What baptism is not, the first thing is, it is not required for salvation. Baptism is not required to have eternal life with God in heaven one day. There's one thing that's required to have eternal life in heaven one day, according to the Bible, which I believe to be true, and that is, is when we confess our sins and when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. 
That's the only thing that we have to do to be saved. It's the only thing that it gives us eternal life with God one day. It's confessing of our sins and accepting him, believing that he died for our sins. And that's it. And that's it. But what's happened is, is over the centuries, some people have come up with this idea that it's both and. It's salvation and baptism that allows you to be saved. And it's simply not true. It's adding to the scriptures. Let me just give you a little litmus test that you can use to know if someone is speaking the truth about the Bible is, is if you go to the Bible and they've added something to that, then it's not true. If they've added something to what the Bible says, it's not true. And the Bible is clear that we can have faith in Jesus Christ when we confess of our sins and when we put our trust in Jesus Christ in his death and his resurrection. That's when we become saved. So I want to make that clear. Baptism is not a prerequisite. It is not required for us to be saved. Secondly, it is not a magical or mystical experience. Unless I hold you under too long. Then it'll become very magical and mystical. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, I'm just kidding. It's not magical or mystical. You're not going to come out of the water and all of a sudden you're like in a different form. You know, you're no longer human or something. You're now divine. It's not magical and it's not mystical. And sometimes people get confused that maybe something magical happens. The divine part of the God-man story happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the divine part of the God-man story. It's not at the point of baptism. And finally, and this is the question I get asked most of the time more than any other question, baptism does not guarantee salvation for infants and children. Baptism does not guarantee salvation for infants or children. And I realize I'm going to step on some of your toes, including mine here, because I was baptized as an infant, and I'm sure that many of you were too. And perhaps you have a child, maybe even here today, who you baptized them in a church or they were christened is another word that's used. That's what it was for me. But baptism does not guarantee that your child will be saved. There's nowhere in scripture that you can find that to be true. My mom and dad were here in the last service. Um, they, they, are, they live in Florida, and they were here uh, for a few days. And um, I, I told the story that I grew up in a very strong Christian home. My parents created a very good uh, Christian home with great Christian values. And we went to church, and um, we um, did all of the, the right things. And it began with them dedicating me to God. They had me christened in the Christian Reformed Church, which was the church that I began to grow up in as a child. And that moment when they sprinkled water on me as a, as a child was an important thing. And for you, it was a very important thing if you were baptized or christened as a child. But I want to make this very, very clear today. That was not baptism the way that Jesus defined it in the New Testament. That's not baptism the way that God established it, that he commanded us to believe and then be baptized. Because in, as an infant, I had no choice in the matter. Now, I'm certainly glad my parents did that. Believe me, I'm so glad, and I'm so glad if you did that for your child or if your parents did it for you. That's important. I feel like I'm here today as your pastor because my parents dedicated me to God, and I'm so incredibly thankful. The fact that baptism does not save your child doesn't undo the dedication to God that you've placed on your child. I hope you're with me on that. 
but it doesn't save them automatically. We believe in believer's baptism. We believe that you become a Christ follower and then you make the conscious decision to follow Jesus in baptism. Now, let's answer the question, why should I be baptized? Well, I think there are a couple major reasons, kind of uh, foundational reasons, uh, reasons of why we should be baptized. First of all, Jesus was baptized. Jesus himself was baptized. This was the Son of God, the divine, and he himself was baptized. And I don't know about you, but if Jesus was baptized, I, I, I want to follow that. I want to follow that model. He set that up. He didn't, do, he didn't say something without doing it himself. Take a look at Matthew 3, 13 through 17 here this morning. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. He came to John, who was his cousin, by the way, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. That was some baptism, wasn't it? That's probably not going to happen today at Caligny. I just want to lower your expectations, okay? The heavens are probably aren't going to open for you when you're baptized today when I put you underwater, okay? That was Jesus. He was divine. He was the Son of God, but he gave us the model to follow. He gave us the model to follow, and we should follow in that because Jesus did it. Secondly, Jesus commands the Christ follower to do this in response to salvation. Several different passages I want to look at under this point. The first one is the Great Commission. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. And then he came back in his glorified divine form, and he talked to some of his followers for several days. Take a look at one of the things that he did during that period of time was he gave the church the great commission, the mission that we're supposed to be on. Take a look at it in Matthew 28. And Jesus came, and he said to them, his followers, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, a lot of times we stop there. So the purpose of the church is to go and make disciples, but sometimes we stop there. Take a look at the next part. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. <laughs> Baptism Jesus established was something that the church was supposed to do in ordination um, of the church, something that they were supposed to do to people who had already become saved. Take a look at what happened in the first church in Acts 2, 42. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, Acts 2 was the period of time that Jesus had already um, gone up to heaven with God, and I would imagine the few hundred or thousand of his disciples that just watched what happened the week that he died and was risen from the grave, I'm sure that they were kind of like going, wait a minute, I, I, I've hung my hat on this man, and now he's gone. What's going to happen? And so we read in Acts 1 and 2 um, uh, and 3 the, the, the beginning of the first church and how the Holy Spirit began to spread the gospel through those early Christ followers and many people came, became saved. 
And so we see several times in Acts 1, 2, and 3 how thousands of people at a time came to know Christ. That goes right along with baptism. It goes right along with baptism. And then finally, as the church grew, the message of the church spread even further out from Jerusalem. Look what happened to a missionary who was also a follower of Christ, an evangelist, Philip, a guy named Philip in Acts 8, 12 through 13. But when they believed, Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon, I'll explain who Simon is in a moment, himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. You see, in that story, Philip is the one who is telling Simon about Jesus Christ. Simon believes and he was baptized. He believed and in response to that belief, he was baptized. Simon, what we know of Simon is this. Simon was called, also called Simon the sorcerer. And it's believed that Simon was either um, under the control of some kind of evil spirit or he was involved in some kind of dark magic or something like that. And even he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And even he followed in response to that in believer's baptism. <laughs> this is my favorite story about someone being baptized. It's a little later in the book of Acts. Acts 8, 34 through 39. Let's take a look at what Philip, what happens to Philip while he's on the road to Jerusalem. This is uh, an interaction that he has with a very influential man who's probably from Ethiopia. Take a look at what happens in 34 through 39 of Acts 8. And the eunuch, this Ethiopian man, said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Philip was uh, witnessing to this Ethiopian man on the road. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's some water. He says, what prevents me from being baptized? Take a look at what happens. And he commanded the chariot to stop this Ethiopian man, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. You see, this man who is a very influential man from Ethiopia became saved, and in response to that, he found a pool of water along a dusty road, and he became baptized. It was believed and be baptized. It was both and, not required for salvation, but in response to salvation. So to answer the question of when I should be baptized, first of all, we should, we should um, uh, follow Christ and believers baptism as soon as possible after we become Christ followers. We should follow Christ and believers baptism as soon as possible after we become Christ followers. Now, I realize that some of you are probably sitting there going, man, I get that, Todd, but it just sounds a little too religious to me. It sounds a little too much like a ritual. Um, you're probably like um, the, a prince, a, a king uh, of the Ireland area when St. Patrick came his way and St. Patrick explained the gospel to king. This was a King Angus. And King Angus says, well, I want to be baptized then if that's what I'm supposed to do. And so they had a baptismal ceremony. And St. Patrick had this, uh, this kind of sharply pointed staff. And he didn't realize in the middle of the baptism, he inadvertently stuck that staff right through the foot of King Angus. 
And much to St. Peter's surprise, when he was done with the baptism, he saw the pool of blood there where he stabbed this king with his spear. And he said, King, I'm so sorry that I did that. Why didn't you tell me that you were in so much pain? To which the king replied, I thought it was just part of the ritual. <laughs> Baptism's not a ritual, though. It's not a ritual. It's not done just for the sake of religion. Please hear me this morning. It's done as a response to what God has done in your life through the salvation, salvation in Jesus Christ. It's not just a ritual. The second point is this. If we have been Christ followers for some time and have not been baptized, we should be baptized as soon as possible. We should be baptized as soon as possible. My story is this. Um, I became a Christian when I was um, in first grade, first or second grade, right in that time frame. And my faith began to develop as I was in high school and into college. And I realized that there was one thing that I hadn't done. I hadn't, as a Christian, done what Jesus commanded, and that was to be baptized. So at 21 years old, with Cynthia there, who was my fiance at the time, I became baptized. There was a lot of time between the time that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and the time that I was baptized. And so there are some of you who are here today and you've been a Christ follower for some time. My challenge to you is go ahead and walk in that command. If you've been a Christ follower for some time and have not been baptized, you should be baptized as soon as possible. Now, what does baptism represent to those around me? Because baptism is largely a representative practice. It represents something. Just like the ring on my finger represents that I'm married for 18 years here in a few weeks. Aww. Just like my ring represents that, I've been, that I'm married, when I put on this ring, I told the world that I'm married. We signed a legal document, a marriage license, the day that we got married, and that made us married in the eyes of uh, the, the world in terms of legal, but the ring is a symbol of my marriage. Baptism is symbolic of what God is doing deep down in your heart. We had 24 people um, who were saved on Easter at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and that was very exciting. And we've gone through a period of time where there's been amazing things that God's been doing in, in many of your life, many of your lives. And um, someone emailed me a few months back and wanted to share her story about what God was doing in her life. And I asked her, her name's Julie Edwards, and I asked Julie if it was okay if I shared this with you today. So I want to share with you the story of Barry and Julie Edwards. Here's what she wrote to me. She says, Todd, I want to share with you my story since I started attending Hilton Head Island Community Church five months ago. I started coming to your church last September as a separated woman, intent on getting a divorce as quickly, as quietly, and undramatically as possible. My marriage of 20 years was dead. It was like the sunshine and the rain had stopped years ago, and our marriage had withered on the vine. Neither of us had done anything that was really bad, but the years of neglect had turned to bitterness and resentment on both of our parts. We had been to lots of counselors over the years and seemed to have tried everything to salvage our pitiful marriage. We both felt unheard, unloved, and unforgiven. We were done. 
I came to church and I started going to Clinton, Susie, Van Oswegen's life group. They're here today and they lead one of our life groups. I started going to their life group right away and volunteering as a greeter on Sundays. I'm grateful for my group's acceptance, encouragement, and powerful prayers. I truly only felt their love and never judged for my choice to divorce. God certainly works in mysterious ways. My lease was invalidated by a judge and I was being forced to move from my villa one month into a fully executed 12-month lease. We also had another unlikely and rather bizarre legal issue occurring that basically put me and my husband Barry on the same team against someone who had harmed us. Both of these issues caused me and Barry to consider moving back in together. He would only accept me back into the house if we were gonna actually work on our marriage, which was different for him. He cared enough to require me to do my part and to hold me accountable. I found a course called Marriage Fitness Online that we researched and chose as a couple to do. It was the beginning of a transformation in our marriage. I moved back into our house around November 1st, 2012. Barry started coming to church with me and we began praying together. We attended the seven-week marriage fitness teleseminars and doing our homework. Next, through Hilton Head Island Community Church, we signed up for Dave Ramsey in January and February. Family Life, they went to Weekend to Remember, which we promoted here, where Barry asked me to marry him again. And I said yes, and we renewed our vows with 300 other couples on February 17th, 2013. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? That's a great story. She says, the message in everything that we've done has been consistent. Extravagant love, generous forgiveness, and enthusiastic encouragement are the keys to oneness that we crave in our marriage. God has transformed our marriage and our lives and our family. We're excited and continue to grow as a couple in Christ. And then she goes on to thank the staff and the church for being a part of it. Now, I wanted to share that story with you. For one thing, it was very eloquently put together. She did a great job of putting it together, but it symbolizes, it represents, it shows the kind of life change that is happening here at this church. Life change is happening. And as a result of life change happening, we ought to follow Christ in the command to be baptized because it shows, it demonstrates, it's an outward sign of what God is doing inside our hearts. God is doing amazing things. There are many, many stories like Julie and Barry's, and I know you may be one of those stories. I want to challenge you, if you've never followed in believer's baptism, to do it. Secondly, what does baptism represent in my life and those around me? Secondly, identifies you with Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. Paul wrote a letter in the Bible to the church at Rome in Romans 6, 3 through 5. He says this, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. If you come out to the beach today and you uh, follow in believer's baptism, here's uh, an example of what might happen, what will happen. Um, I'll, I'll ask you if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, and if you say yes, then I say that I'll baptize you. And I have you hold your nose so that you don't get too much ocean water, cold ocean water today in your nose. And Cody and I, our uh, student pastor, we will bring you under the water 
and we'll hold you down there for five or 10 minutes. I'm just kidding. We'll hold you down there for a moment, a moment. It's just a brief moment. We baptize you and bring you up out of water. It's literally that quick. And that's what immersion is. And as we do that, what I say is, is I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I say these words. I say, you were buried with him in his death and you're raised to walk in newness of life. Because baptism symbolizes your new life in Christ. And whether you're six or 86 in here, you can follow in believer's baptism if you've never done it before. It's simply that easy. We've confused it, but it literally is that easy. It represents the beautiful picture of God sending Jesus to cleanse us from our sins. And so when we put you under the water and we bring you right back up, it represents your sins being washed away. Cynthia and I, we have a six-year-old boy, and when he goes outside, that kid gets dirty, doesn't he? And he comes inside, being outside, and he gets dirty, and my favorite part of the day is when he goes and takes a shower or bath, because all the junk washes off of him, and he walks out of there, and it's like a new creature. It literally is like a new kid. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. That's what Christ has done for each one of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and following believer's baptism symbolizes that. It's the bottom line. Baptism is an outward expression of the inward decision that you have made to become a Christ follower, and it symbolizes your new life in Christ. Paul said it, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There are some of you that will make the decision here in a few moments to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. For the very first time, you say yes to Jesus. There are some of you who might say yes to baptism. You've never followed in believer's baptism. You want to do that today or perhaps some other time. But I realize that there may be some of you who are in here today, and maybe you're a seeker, maybe you're returning to the church, or maybe you've just become a Christ follower, and you want one more step before you follow in believer's baptism. And I want to encourage you, we have a step for you And it's a class that we're, it's actually not a class, it's a conversation, 10 weeks of a conversation that I want to have with you. I'm actually doing this called Starting Point. And it begins this Tuesday at 7 p.m. right here in my office. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized or maybe you don't understand what being a Christ follower means, I want to strongly encourage you to be a part of this class. We are so excited about you being a part of this. It will help explain and bring some clarity to some of these things that you may be wondering about. Some of the greatest questions that you may have in life will be answered in this class. It's our first time doing it, and I'm so excited. We've got about 10 people that are going to be a part of this starting Tuesday, and I want to encourage you to be a part. If you want to be a part of that, there's a place that you can sign up back at the information desk and... um, I've got Pete Keene who's going to be helping me out. He and Linda are going to be back there, and they'd be more than happy to help you sign up along with Ashley at our guest service desk. But for those of you who are Christ followers, and for those of you who understand, and you've never just followed Jesus and believer's baptism, I want to ask you the same thing that this Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip. What's stopping you? What's keeping you from being baptized? Is it you want to have a long lunch today? Well, fine. That's cool. That's good. You can't get there by two? Okay, I understand that. That's between you and God. Maybe you gotta be somewhere. Man, things can wait. 
Maybe the water's gonna be too cold. You don't wanna be embarrassed because, you know, to be put underwater. Man, this is what Jesus commanded. And I wanna encourage you to be there today at two o'clock. Be there a little early. Come down to Caligny. We'll meet you right at the end of the boardwalk there, right where the beach starts. And you can be baptized. You can follow him in believer's baptism. Will you pray with me this morning? Father God, I just want to pray right now in the strong name of Jesus for those who might be in here who have never said yes to you. They've never accepted the free gift that you gave them when you sent your son. And God, I pray for those who walked in this door today and they may be seeking, they may be wondering, they may be confused or they might have been confused, but something that was said today, maybe something that was sung today, maybe your Holy Spirit just spoke to them and said, it's time for you to believe. I pray in the strong name of Jesus right now that you would be with them. If you're one of those persons that I just described and you've never put your faith in Jesus, you don't know what would happen tomorrow if you died and you want to be absolutely certain that you'll go to heaven when you die. I just want to invite you to accept Jesus as your Savior. I want to invite you to, in the silence of this room, just pray this prayer to yourself and pray it to God. You can follow along with me silently in your heart. It goes like this. God, thank you for making me. Thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to die for me. Today, I confess of my sins and I accept you, Jesus, as my savior. If you just prayed that prayer quietly, in your heart and to God with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand if you prayed that prayer here over on my left, your right. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else on my left, my right here in the center sections? Thank you. See you there. Thank you. Anyone over here to my right, your left? Thank you. Father, I thank you for these, a handful of people who said yes to you for the very first time today. And God, I pray that you would help anchor them deep in their faith. God, I pray that they would get involved in starting point. I pray that if you lead them to, that they follow your command to be baptized even today at two o'clock down at Caligny Beach. God, I pray for those who have maybe been a Christ follower for a while and they've just never decided to be baptized. I pray that you would, that your Holy Spirit would just speak to them right now and to help them to follow you in believer's baptism, to make that public statement that I am a Christian. I'm one of yours. If you're in here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you want to say, yes, I need to be baptized. I've never done that before. I'm just going to ask you to simply raise your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you want to be baptized today, just simply raise your hand. Thank you. Anyone else who wants to be baptized today, just raise your hand up. God, we thank you for these that have said yes to you. Father God, we thank you for those who are in here today who said yes to you for the first time. For those who are following in believer's baptism, maybe 10 or 12 today, they're gonna follow in believer's baptism. Father, we're so excited about that with them. We're so excited about the newness of life, the new creature that they are gonna become. And Father, as we reflect on what you did on the cross Father God, I pray that you would absolutely give us the ability to thank you for what you did 
for dying for us. We are so grateful and we are so thankful for what you did on the cross and we want to celebrate that right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.